No, no. Alright. I'm gonna trade you two sheep for that wood. Tell me, honey, does that sound good? Cause all I really wanna do is take away longest road from you, yeah. Welcome to these tabletop sessions. Welcome to the welcome to the welcome to these tabletop sessions. Hello, fellow gregarious geeks and gamers. Welcome to the 34th episode of the Tabletop Sessions Podcast. We're back! This is your monthly dose of tabletop gaming stories and shenanigans. My name is Elias, and with me is the one and only, irreplaceable, non-fungible, Hippocrates. Hello, everybody. This is Hippocrates. Thank you for uh, calling me irreplaceable. It's uh, obvious that everybody else was replaceable by me. On that note... Before we get started, we're back, but with a few changes you should know about. Um, so it's just me and Epo for now. Uh, we're going to try to get Byron and Demo back on sometimes, but it's not going to be consistent. Byron is just not playing enough games down in South Africa, and Dima thinks she's better than us. Uh, don't worry about it. We still love them, and we are still happily married to at least one of them. So, so just, you might be asking... My, minor changes. Just minor changes. Half the cast is gone, but all's good. You might be asking yourself, hey, in episode 33, you said you'd be back in a couple months. You'd be right. But man, that COVID uh, lasted a minute there. Huh? Like that, 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 that didn't go away. We, we didn't have consistent game nights till pretty recently. And, you know, for, for how long COVID lasted, we'd like to, of course, take personal accountability and responsibility. We're, we're, we're sorry. Uh, we'll try to do better next time. <laughs> I mean, so if, we need to, to hear the old episodes and see uh, how long we were uh, predicting that this uh, uh, pandemic will, will go. I mean, I don't Yeah, remember. it wasn't. I think we ended in January and I was like, we'll be back in April. <laughs> <laughs> And that was a couple years I remember, ago. I remember we were planning to come to Canada for the origins. That's right. right? That's right. And, we, and we were That's saying, right. oh, it's going to be closed for three months, but probably we're going to uh, be ready for uh, origins in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, we're sorry about COVID. We will do better next time on the next pandemic. Uh, but of course, no Dima means there will be no game show of the week. Boo, I'm sure Epo is celebrating that he doesn't have to lose every week to me. Um, <laughs> I didn't lose every I know week. I know I clearly, Byron means... Uh, I clearly remember ahead, times that I won. Yeah, I, I mean, I have the stats right here. Hold on, let's just pull that no, up real let's, quick. Let's, let's, let's don't go there. Hippocrates <laughs> won 7 cares. out of 27 competed in. That is a 25.9 win percentage. I won... I won 16 out of 26, so that's 61.5 percent. 25. Uh, but who's 7. counting? No one's. No one's keeping track. <laughs> 25 percent anyway, is that, better than a Ferrari this year. That's let's put, true. That's let's put true. it this way. That's true. All right, but that's not a high bar anymore. Anyway, so no Byron, unfortunately, also means no news because 
neither Ipo and I give a shit about the news. So it's just going to be banter and hypocritic corner. But let's face it, I did a survey. That's the stuff you guys like. We know that. So Ipo, before we get started, what's up? Have you been any new acquisitions? Anything cool uh, you've been up to recently? Wait, wait. First of all, I want to say that I give a shit about the, the news. I mean, sometimes uh, Byron was telling us interesting things like, uh, I don't know, like uh, the new Zaya <laughs> version is coming out and uh, there is this, this new plastic uh, red miniature that in the previous uh, version was blue or something <laughs> like, or something like I'm that. Sure, I'm sure you'll be thrilled to hear that sometimes he gave some interesting information. Uh, okay. <laughs> Okay, let me let, uh, let me tell you about okay. Half this is like two years later, three years later. Yeah, I don't want to know everything you bought in the last three years, but have you bought anything recently that was good? Any good acquisitions, or are you still just relying on other people buying games for you? Okay, I have to be honest here. I have a, a copy of Elias, who <laughs> who is a guy that buys like every new game. Uh, I would say it's not just one. It's more than one people that are doing that. So they're helping a lot. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's interesting that the first thing that I, I acquired when you left the country was cryptid. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because I felt I needed a deduction game. And everybody loves a deduction game. And uh, cryptid was a, a blast with uh, the new... Uh, group of gamers that uh, were playing games here in Qatar because uh, the old group was uh, dismantled after your uh, <laughs> your leave. I don't think we call it dismantled. It's just um, victim to the ravages of time oh. is, is more what it is. You know, it's yeah. more poetic than that. We were a great empire and now... <laughs> Just and now, the shambles of broken skyscrapers. Yeah. Some people, yeah, I, I mean, life happened. I mean, some people have kids now that they didn't have before. Some uh, people have spouses that they didn't have before. Uh, and some people are the same. Yeah, sorry, I want Th to mention one more game that uh, I played. Yeah, yeah, go for that it. That I acquired. That was Sleeping Gods. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was very interesting because we went to the Abu Dhabi Comic Con. And I was ready to buy this uh, beautiful game that uh, I had uh, made the research uh, last summer. And I was thinking, this is probably the best game to replace uh, my finished Seventh Continent uh, campaign that I was playing solo. So I was thinking, yeah, probably this is the best thing to, to do that. But then uh, when I finished the, the campaign, you know, we had this uh, white box of the Seventh Continent, the expansion. Yeah. So I was not feeling starting the new campaign. I was thinking, okay, I played like four different curses. I don't need four more curses of the Seventh Continent, baby. It's too much. Maybe, or probably, it would have made the difference if Lena was playing with me and it would be a two-player game. So I, I found Sleeping Gods in Abu Dhabi and I was thinking, you know something, no, I don't want to play solo game. And uh, I was telling Lena and the kids, and the next day, they go and buy it for me as a surprise. And they say, okay, dad, we're going to play it with you. So uh, that was very sweet of them. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I suppose the question is, will they play it with you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the question is, what? Your kids are here. <laughs> yeah. And they're on time. <laughs> just, just talking about Hello. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so far, uh, only Thalia joined me in one game. And the rest of them, let's see what happens. <laughs> let's see indeed. <laughs> uh, but sure. I'm, really, I'm really excited on this game. I mean, I have uh, read the rules. I have watched uh, the videos. I have watched the playthroughs. Uh, awesome. They have done a, a fantastic job. And uh, Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd love to try one of those like Red Raven storybook style games where you're flipping through the different maps on the pages. They all seem pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, have been receiving a bunch of Kickstarters. I haven't been buying as much as I used to just because my group here, they all buy games pretty consistently. So, you know, I'm not saying they're better than you. I'm just saying, <laughs> that they but you feel the peer pressure to keep up with them. Not really. No, <laughs> no, no. We all, I, I have the largest collection, so my ego is intact, but, um, Basically, uh, what's been coming in, Frosthaven came in. I've been playing that just a lot. I got that pretty early uh, compared to most people in Canada. I got that in December. So I've been, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm like waist deep in Frosthaven with Dima. Um, two players. Mud and side effects. Yeah, we've been playing two players. Mud and side effects came in. If you remember, we did an interview with, um, with the publishers and designers of that game back in episode 31 that arrived. Oh, yeah. And, it, yeah. and if you remember, I promised you and Byron, whoever came to visit me first, would get their pick between those games. So they're still in shrink, and they're still waiting on one of you to come visit. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, I traded for a couple of great games. Space Alert, traded Quacks of Quedlinburg for that, which I was pretty hype about. And Falling Sky, the uh, coin game based on um, the Gallic Revolt against Caesar. And you know how I feel about coin games by GMT, so I'm excited about those too. But yeah, those, those have been the main ones that have come in recently in the last month or so. I was feeling the same about coin games, but uh, uh, remember we uh, we bought, I mean, I bought uh, Labyrinth in Steam. Oh yeah. To play the, uh, you did too, right? No, because was, uh, it's a terrible game. But it's not, that's not a coin game. That's a, that's more of like in it's the not? Twilight Struggle style. It's a it's a CDG, isn't it? Oh, let's see. Yeah, it is like Twilight Struggle. I thought there was also. I I think the ce the central concept of coin being that deck of cards that comes out with the order of factions on the top, and depending on if you choose to activate that card or not, you follow certain things that you can do, whether you can do operations or the events on the card. So if it doesn't have that central system, I don't think that counts as a coin game. So. Okay. Yeah. Plus so, it doesn't yeah. say coin on the box. So that that's a good hint right there. <laughs> so so forget about that. <laughs> so, uh, so what have you been playing recently? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I have been playing a lot of uh, Blood on the Clock Tower. Uh, which is a social deduction game. Social deduction game in this group was a big thing. When I found these guys, they were playing Secret Hitler constantly, like 
basically the, the purpose of meeting was playing Secret Hitler. <laughs> so it was a bunch of guys that they loved uh, social deduction. And the good thing with uh, open groups and social deduction is that every time that a new player is coming, a new gamer is coming, a new joiner is there, you can just he can just pops in and play yeah. directly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I love social deduction. Uh, I'm not sure if I love uh, the mechanism or the idea, the social aspect of the games. I remember when I first met you, uh, we were playing heavy games every night, every game night. And in the end, we were playing Avalon. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was my favorite time of the night. I think I think resistance playing Avalon in the end. Playing resistance <laughs> is how I met your wife, Lena, initially. The first time we met her, we were playing a game of resistance and she didn't know what a sneaky bastard I was. And so she believed me. And <laughs> so she was like, she's like, if I'm sure of one thing on this table, it's that Elias is telling the truth. And I was oh my God. I was leading her. And basically we won the game. Um, and she, since then, has not trusted me on a single game. <laughs> <laughs> See, there is a meta game. Yeah, she, but Lena still has still yeah. has a story about that. She still remembers that. She, oh yeah, she I'm, will I'm say sure that. she felt like the knife between her ribcage. Like that's not an like, easy thing to be like. All right, I don't know all these people, but I feel like that guy is telling me the truth. I'm gonna put my faith in him. Um, because that guy I, looked me in the eyes and he yeah. told me that he's not <laughs> seriously look at me I'm telling you on my life <laughs> anyway yeah that sounds like yeah. sounds like uh, Lena yeah no she she really believed me she trusted me so yeah so they're always a major part of our game nights for sure um, and I know you love especially Avalon that used to be your, your go to uh, yeah, so Avalon also. Then uh, after Secret Hitler, uh, awkward guests came to the group. Mm. Have you ever played that game? No. It's a funny little deduction game. Then I I got cryptid, and uh, then I realized. Actually, I didn't realize. I watched the video of Shut Up and Sit Down review of the Blood in the Clock, to- Clock Tower. Yeah. Which was very exciting and. I was thinking I need to play this game. At, at that time, the game was not out. So I made a print and play version of the game. And uh, I just went in, in a Thursday night. Everybody was there. Like I, I think it was like 12 people. And I was the storyteller. Nice. So, you know, in this game, every uh, player has a different character and different abilities. Uh, and it's mainly like every other social deduction game where... or it's like werewolf, where there is this uh, uh, aspect of uh, there is the day where we're discussing everything, then we're voting a guy and he's dead, we're, we're executing one guy. And then during the night, the evil guys are uh, awake and they're killing somebody. Yeah. Uh, but At night they have... time, where all evil <laughs> happens. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but... Uh, they took this to another level. So uh, some people say that even the, the latest versions, the latest edition of Werewolf uh, has like different characters for every player. Yeah. But uh, this is really 
amazing what uh, what happens in this game. So I was the storyteller. The the game needs one storyteller, one like game master that uh, will uh, arrange everything. And uh, I have a story to say about uh, Tell me. the the second the second time that uh, we played. Uh, it was basically the first time that my kids, uh, Thalia and Phoebe, there they are uh, ten and twelve. They wanted to. They love social deduction because they have played the werewolf uh, in the classroom, and uh, they said, "Okay, Dad, please get us there. We're gonna play." So the first night, I, I take Phoebe. Phoebe comes, she plays. Everything is fine. Then the little one wants to play, and I said, "Okay, next Thursday I will take you. Let's go and uh, and play." But I was not sure that Thalia can actually do it because it's a fairly complicated game. Sure, but. She came there, we played one, uh, one game, so she was just watching in the first game. And in the second game, she insisted, said, Dad, I want to play. And I was thinking, okay, she spent the night with us. Yeah, let's, let's give her, a, uh, let's give it a try. And I remember to me, a girl was uh, the storyteller that night, and I say uh, to her, give to Thalia, please, a very easy role. Maybe uh, something that she doesn't need to wake up every night or take uh, crucial decisions. Yep. Just maybe she, she could have like an information in the beginning and nothing else. And uh, the game starts, the Tumi uh, distributes the roles. And she looks at me and she says, oh, I forgot to do what you told me. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have, you know, the game starts and I have no idea what, what is the role of Thalia. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a it's a twelve players game, and everybody's an adult. So I'm the only guy that brought his kid to play, and I was <laughs> I'm feeling terrible because I I might ruin, ruin the, the game, game for everybody, yeah, sure, for yeah. everybody else. Yeah. And so uh, Thalia seems like the same time scared, but okay. And uh, the first night uh, we learned that uh, either. Hrag or Thalia is the chef. So the chef in this game knows how many pairs of evil people are in the game. Okay. Which means uh, how many uh, evil guys are uh, sitting next to each other. Okay. And uh, because of my role, I know that my neighbors, the people that are sitting next to me, are good guys. So I'm, I'm okay that Thalia is a good, uh, a good guy. And... Uh, I ask Hrag, Hrag, are you the chef? He says, no, I'm not the chef. I don't know uh, what's going on. So Thalia is the chef. So Thalia, during the first time, should get a number from the storyteller, which is the number of pairs of evil people in the game. Sure. So I, I say, Thalia, what's the number that uh, the storyteller uh, told you? And Thalia says, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, fuck. <laughs> Fuck, I, I fucked the game. I brought my kids. She's too young. She, she was nine at that time. I was thinking, oh, she was not ready for this. I said, Thalia, are you sure? I mean, the storyteller came and told you a number. I, she says, sorry, dad. I didn't get it. I, I'm confused. Uh, so I asked Thalia, okay, go to the storyteller and ask her again, what is the number that uh, she showed to you? Because this is your first game and things happen to new players, which is a which is a true thing. I mean, also adults uh, screw up in the first night when they first play the game. They're confused. They don't know what's exactly going on. So, 
Natalia is doing that, she, she comes back and she said uh, the number is zero. So there's no uh, there's no evil guys sitting next to each other, which okay. is possible. I mean, there. I mean, in, t- in a twelve-player ga- uh, game, it's like four to six evil players, so four to five, I think, sure. or three to five. I don't remember exactly. So we play the game. We're doing the deductions. We in the end we execute the the demons. We win, and now the storyteller comes to us and says, "Okay, who do you think was the demon?" And we say, "Okay, you know, this guy was the demon." Oh, the storyteller says, "Yes, congratulations, you were right." Uh, she goes to the next one, the next one, the next one. So we deduct everybody correctly. And in the end, she says, okay, and who is Thalia? And we said, Thalia is the chef. She, she told us the, the zero. She says, no, Thalia is the spy. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what the, f- how could it be the she spy? Played eh? you. <laughs> I said, Thalia, what happened? She, she said, dad. When everybody was insisting that I'm the chef, I went to the storyteller and I said to her, okay, these guys think I'm the chef. They think I know a number. <laughs> what should I say? And the storyteller, the storyteller told her, say any number. So, <laughs> so she said, I came up with zero. Oh my God, so good. <laughs> oh, that's great. And, and uh, so Thalia says that and the rest 11 players, they uh, stand up and they have a round of applause for Thalia. <laughs> Because <laughs> nobody could figure that out. I mean, it was the most surprising thing that ever happened. In Amazing. This game. Amazing. But teaches you a lesson is... about underestimating people that you play with, even if they exactly. are nine-year-old children. And this is really a typical story of this game where surprises are coming one after the other. And you're looking around and you're you're trying to trust somebody. But at the same time, other people should trust you in order to have the to, the exchange of information needed. Amazing. Uh, uh, the game is is beautiful, uh, and uh, I think we have only scratched the surface because uh, there is three different setups of the game with uh, three different uh, uh, combinations of characters, and we have only played the first one. And now, AK got his copy, the Kickstarter copy. So now we have the, the actual uh, game. We don't need to play the print and play anymore. Oh, this is always the print and play. Okay, very cool. That, very that cool. was the print and play at that time. I want to buy that so game. Now, it's just so expensive. And um, really you know, how much? I, I think to get in Canada, I think it's well over $100. So I... It's coming from Australia, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it's because of that. So, and honestly, the my group here, the main group that I play with, like most of the time, they don't do party games. <laughs> like, yeah, that, a, that's a, the main thing. A filler for them is like, you know, a study in Emerald. That's like a filler, you know. So they they <laughs> <laughs> they don't do heavy games. Um, so I mean, they they do some fillers. That's not fair. We did Furnace. We played Parade. They love Parade. Red Seven. Furnace, yeah, Furnace is a heavy filler. <laughs> but they right? don't do party games specifically you know so what um, are you doing after the the end of the heavy game i mean we 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 play a, a heavy filler and then we discuss <laughs> strategy and uh where things fell About apart the game and then we all look at each other and go why did we even meet cheng was gonna win anyway and then that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, i do have another group that we we play more like ameritrashy games you know so um 
you know, not Ameritrash specifically, but things that would need dice rolling or combat. They're much more in that style. So I think there's more hope for that group with uh, party games. But I will say that since I came to Canada, I don't think I've played a single party game. Like, it's all been, you know, their games, but not, and fillers, but not party games specifically. So I don't know. Maybe if you go to Board Game Geek, yeah. uh, to the Blood in the Clock Tower page, there are, uh, I think, in the forum, they have like meetings for just for uh, Blood in the Clock Tower. Yeah, over here People in Toronto, just to play that on Meetup. There's a, a there's like a weekly. There was going for a while a weekly Blood in the Clock Tower Meetup over there. So yeah, I just you know me, I don't really like talking to people that I don't know. So. Uh, I was never going to do that, so uh, we'll see. But yeah, I'd love to try it sometime, and you know, I'm sure, you know, I can, I can at some point convince. It them will to do never it. happen to you if you want to help people that you know to play the game. That's true. That's that's true. Although I am working on twelve people for a mega civilization, but I'm counting on you to come visit at that time uh, to get the people. I will just get the plane just for that. <laughs> Oh yeah, I traded for Mega Civilization. That's one of the recent trades. All right, yeah. So that that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, on that note, so I was thinking about like, what should I talk about? So I just wanted to read you a list of the last ten or so games that I've been playing: Gloomhaven, Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, Gloomhaven, Parade, Furnace, Frosthaven, Gloomhaven, Container, Frosthaven, Frosthaven. <laughs> So I think you can see a pattern here. Um, I'm playing a lot of Frosthaven, but also I've been playing an online campaign with Mo uh, of Gloomhaven, Digital Gloomhaven, and they're going on at the exact same time. I'm about the same number of games into both of them. And so I'm working on sort of a comparison between the two of them and what's good about both of them. So I'm going to save that wow. probably till the next episode because by that point, we would have retired characters in both and you know so so i would have some sort of comparison of the story elements along with the actual gameplay elements so just that's coming but but on that on that topic of like rpg style stuff i've been playing a dnd campaign and and we've been playing it in person which is which is awesome and uh, a couple of weeks ago we had an in session dnd like day uh we were six people i think we played on you know my awesome game table so we we had like the felt removed and then we had the maps underneath the uh the acrylic um uh thing so we could draw directly on the table and move characters. wait wait I, you're playing six players dnd yeah so, so we had five a five person party with a dm um and wow i mean i i feel that's very difficult to to arrange. no it was amazing it was amazing and then we had you know we had like uh have you ever had uh raclette like french raclette where you melt the cheese yes yeah so we oh. had that and then we had chocolate fondue and then we had a bunch of snacks and people came from all over awesome people you know you know such... something fuck 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 mega civilization i will come for the raclette <laughs> All right, we'll do raclette when we do mega civilization. I, will, I, I, I prefer raclette and fundi <laughs> and wine. Yeah, and that's that's what we did. We just spent the whole day playing games, and it was so nice because the last, I don't know, the last time I've had an in-person D&D session was, I was still living in Canat Cartier in Qatar. So it was like, 
it was like 2017 or something. So then, then, then we came to Canada. I was playing online because of COVID. And then we got to play in person. And we actually have another session on Sunday in a couple of days. So that was awesome. And, um, you know, it was the first time we bring sort of two groups together. So one of the group was the Ameritrashy group. And the other one is our usual D&D group and friends in general. And they're all friends in general. But we kind of brought them together to see what would happen. And it was it was great. It worked really well. Um, oh. The the Ameritrash group, they, they knew a lot about D&D, but they never played D&D in person. So they listened to D&D podcasts. Oh. And, but they never played. And they were hilarious because they were like, con artists so like everywhere we went no matter what was happening they kept trying to sell people like colored water and be like you know what would solve your problem i happen to have this anti you know whatever potion right and it was so good because you know one of them was called brother calamity and wherever we went he just was trying to sell shit to people and it was just it was so much fun um we had this thing happen so 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 with, with this with this group when we played in the past, I, I, you know me with dice, right? Like I don't, I don't do dice very well. You so it's very that. rare for me to roll a nat- natural 20, right? So um, previously in the past, I was playing this dwarf ranger character called Xyphols. Um, and, you know, I was doing terrible with my dice rolling. But at one point we were, we, we came across these giant moose, meese, moose, mooses. We came across them. <laughs> Some giant moose. I should know that being in Canada. But I happened to roll a natural 20 on animal handling, and our, our, our DM had to basically make that moose and me best friends. And then it just stayed with me for several <laughs> sessions after that. And we named the, the moose Pumple Moose, right? Like <laughs> like Pumple, <laughs> like grapefruit in French, right? So since, you know, we had the same DM and stuff, I bought beer for this session, and I brought like a Pumplemousse Rattler beer. Oh, so, I, my God. <laughs> so at some point during the game, again, I don't roll natural 20s. We're being confronted by this giant scorpion spider thing. And like, I go, all right. I'm like, so at this point I'm a bard. So this is a different game, but I guess it's set in the same universe because I go, all right, I'd, I'd like to know if I know what the natural predator of the, giant scorpion spider thing is because i'd like to create an illusion or something i i i had some sort of spell that worked with that minor illusion or something like that and um he goes all right roll for me whatever it was i rolled natural 20 he has to give me something good so he goes you remember in your travels you'd come across a young dwarf ranger named zyphals and he told you that most people wouldn't know this but the natural predator of a giant scorpion slash spider is a giant moose. And I'm like, oh my God. So, <laughs> so I start making moose sounds coming out of different sections of the cavern to scare off this scorpion. And it was just, oh man, we had such a good time. Um, and then last thing like, about it, I, I don't want to keep going. You always on. remember your first natural 20. <laughs> That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Um, the best part about this is, so, you know, we, we moved to Canada. We made friends from all over, from meetups, from all sorts of things. But so Dima made friends with this person she used to work with. And then that person left the company and we stayed friends with her and her partner. Then another person joined the company and we made for, found out they play board games. 
So Dima invited them over, her, him and his brother. And we made friends with them. And then that guy left the company, the hospital, I should say. <laughs> That's the two groups we combined together to make this D&D group. So What's and going they, on with Dima? And they didn't know that, right? So they found out during the D&D session. And somebody was like, hmm, this is Dima's master plan. She manipulates the situation to make these people leave the company because they're unhappy or whatever. So that we could create the ultimate <laughs> D&D group. So now Diva is like the super villain mastermind behind this this uh, this uh, ultimate D and D group. So. so we hope that Dima's boss is not listening to this podcast. <laughs> we really do hope that. Yeah. <laughs> Sigur knows she's the the next. She, she she's pulling strings. Group. They call her the Spider because she has hands on everything. You know. <laughs> in what world? In what world do you play this D and D campaign? Is it the uh, I mean, do you play Ravenloft? Uh, no, I, the... I think it's just it's just uh, Sword Coast stuff. But um, let me just pull up something real quick and tell you, he's created his own sort of history. He calls oh, it nice. um, the city Azuth founded. I don't know if that's based on Wizards material or if it's his own material, but that's what we're we're basing it on. So. Oh my God! You have a DM with energy. Oh, he's he's a forever DM and he loves this <laughs> shit. Well, I hope he loves it because <laughs> no one else is DMing. <laughs> I mean, always the DM at some point he's going to ask you, okay, guys, in the next campaign, would you like uh, somebody else to be the DM? And uh, nope, like, no, not that guy. <laughs> well, I think he's asked before, and we just said no. So. <laughs> It's going to be difficult. I mean, if you are a DM for such a long time and then uh, you have like uh, some requirements from the new DM, some uh, uh, expectations that well, I, are hard to to be fulfilled. I think that's why he's my like one of my favorite DMs. AK was like this too, um, where they let the story take precedence over the rules, right? So, uh, for example, if we don't know something, rather than spend 20 minutes searching all the manuals to find for it, he'll be like, we're just playing like this. And because of that, we always get great stories out of it, which is what I play D&D for. You know, as someone who likes to write and, 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 and all that, the stories are what I come back for. I could not care less about which dice I roll and the, the efficiency and the damage of this particular damage attack over here and <laughs> takes up a spell slot too. Like, I prefer just to have a really good story. And no offense to you if you're that person. More power to you. Um, just don't mess. Just don't tell me I'm, you know, no. Don't don't. I'm not that person, and and I have not met that person. I I don't know anybody that is like that. I, I know those would people. prefer their rules rather. Really? Yeah, yeah. Where are they? So so the last group <laughs> I was playing online. Are they are they in North Canada? <laughs> Actually, I think he was in the states, but one of them uh, was a bit of a rules lawyer. But uh, and he was but he was fun and he was great and nobody was better than him at coming off a speech like off the top of his head that was so good, um, um, but. Uh, he would. He was a stickler for the rules. You know what I mean. And uh, I couldn't care less. So, so yeah. So D and D. We have another session on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. It's so nice to be playing in person again. And yeah. It's, uh, it's, Let it's me good. tell you one story that I heard today about D and D with Patsatsufis. He he told me that he tried to play D and D with uh, Chat uh, GTP. <laughs> and. 
So they go to battle and they roll for initiative and the, the trolls are going first. So uh, they do something, uh, Pansasufis uh, replies, they hit, and the chat GPT goes, okay, what do you want to do now? And Pansasufis says, uh, that was my turn, now I guess it's the troll's turn. And chat GPT replies, uh, yeah, I, for I forgot to tell you, they, they don't want to do anything. <laughs> So, so we were discussing that chat, uh, chat uh, GPT is uh, GTP. Sorry, it's like a five-year-old that is yeah, that yeah. just d d doing excuses, making excuses when they forget something or they're wrong about it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. I forgot that. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, they're not yeah, doing. They, they don't want to do anything. They're they're on their lunch break. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that's so there, that's not ready for that. Mo, Mo for keeps Mo keeps um, asking Chad GPT to write all these like mashup fictions, right? Um, oh. And then he sends it to me, and it's always trash. <laughs> so, so at one point he goes, uh, so "We listen to this podcast called both of us listen to this podcast called Fall of Civilizations, which each episode is a story of how a civilization collapsed." And he's like, I was wondering what if all these were happening at the same time? So I asked GPT, Chad GPT to write a story about all these civilizations crashing in the same era. And the shit, the Chad, it's, it's amazing. It, it starts like, let me just pull this up right here because. Is, is just, it amazing, like good, good amazing or no, like. No, no, it's really... awful, awful amazing. <laughs> here, I just want to read the first, the first couple of lines. Sorry, because it's like 38 pages. Okay. <laughs> this is the first line. You are a tra sorry. <laughs> you are a time traveling story. Sorry. What? <laughs> what? You are a time traveling historian storytelling robot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the first sentence is amazing. That's the I'm first gonna sentence. read that book. Second sentence. You need to gather information about the user goals, objectives, and examples of the preferred output and other relevant information. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so good. And then, and then the last line of the first paragraph. Your return should be formatted clearly and optimized for award-winning storytelling. <laughs> I couldn't like they just get the random phrases like amazing it, it's sort of like the first sentence give it an excuse to treat it like an ai right so the first row is like you're a robot okay let's go from here <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're right it is kind of like a five-year-old telling a story i mean but that when is I, a lot of I, I think i literally right? have stories written when i was five that was like i'm a time traveling robot <laughs> Pirate ninja. <laughs> <laughs> Slash ninja. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay, let me tell you the other game I, I played, which was uh, a game from 2022. That's why I'm, I'm proud of it. Of course, it was not my acquisition. A friend of mine bought it. And the game is Circadian's Chaos Order. Have you ever heard of this game? Never. Really? Okay, yeah. this is supposed to be a very a very nice new area control game with uh, different factions on a, a map, a modular map made by hexagons. And wow. uh, original. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and uh, they, each uh, faction have uh, soldiers and they have leaders. That's also very original, uh, <laughs> which, which reminds us of Dune and many other games and maybe Twilight Imperium. Uh, the, the crazy thing about this is that it's a six, uh, up to six player game and it's asymmetric. So each faction uh, is getting points in a different way. It's not very asymmetric. It's yeah, not that's like what I was gonna, root, is it like root. root or is it like no, Terra no, Mystica? It's more like it's more like Terra Mystica or I would say Twilight Imperium. Okay, all right. Uh, so, but that's the good main because otherwise the amount of teaching it would take for six players playing different exactly would be yeah exactly. So I cannot tolerate anymore. I mean, I cannot play any any other game that is like root yeah. and just listen for two hours of rules. Uh, of course, you're not supposed to listen to the two hours of rules if you are playing root. You're supposed to learn the game yourself and then present yourself and say, okay, I know the game, let's start playing. But, but we all know <laughs> what people do instead. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so this game is uh, best with four players. We played it five. It was five hours with teaching. It's Again, it's an area control game. And the nice touch is that the main goal is to occupy six relics. Uh, relics are some certain uh, uh, objects on uh, different hexagons on the map. So we start with six relics. And if, it's, if at the end of the first round, somebody uh, is, has control of all six relics, wins the game. But in the end of the round, relic number six is going out of the game. So if nobody wins in the first round, then in the second round, there are only five relics. And it goes like that. So in the sixth round, there's only one relic and whoever has control of it wins the game. Okay. This this is the one way to, to win the game. And each faction has a second way of winning the game. Okay. Uh, like uh, some factions uh, are getting points by winning battles. There is a faction that uh, gains points by killing leaders. My faction was gaining points by advancing in the technology tree. Okay. And, and this uh, technology tree was the best thing that this game has to offer. Okay. The game had like five different actions where you uh, one action was to uh, advance in the tech tree. The other is to build uh, some buildings in the on the map. Uh, gain resources, recruit soldiers, or move. These are the five actions. But these, each of these actions can be upgraded five times. So the technology tree is on the map. It's actually next to the map. It's in front of everybody. And it's only these five stages for each of these five actions. So 25 all in all. So this was the best thing for me because in my first game i really had a, a vision of what was going on in the game i could see where is everybody what exactly is trying to do and uh, what i can you know upgrade in uh, instead of upgrading something else and gaining a, a small advantage against uh, my opponent so this is what i really liked i, I have played also uh, in the last month uh, kemet and we played also 
uh, what was the game that is just the technology tree? The the galaxy game. The oh, beyond. Uh... Yes, beyond uh, the universe. No, beyond the sky. <laughs> beyond the sky. No. <laughs> anyway, so beyond the sun. Beyond the sun. Beyond the sun. Okay, beyond yeah. the sky was close. <laughs> Uh, so in these games, in these games, I was feeling really lost. There were too many things going on. In this one, I see, really from the first game, I felt like okay, now something is really, uh, uh, I mean, understandable to every player. Okay. What I didn't like with this game was that the the illustration of the hexagons. You know, there there were like different time types of terrain. Sure. like swamps and plains and fields but everything was really dark so it was yeah, it's like various like, versions of brown from what i can see exactly it was really indistinguishable to me i mean i i couldn't see i was trying to see where are the swamps and things like that uh but i think other than that the the only other objection the other other cone i have to say about this game was that in the last round i couldn't win uh, I was winning if the round was over and nobody else is winning. So what I did was I just blocked uh, another player uh, from playing. So I moved my soldiers next to his soldiers. So his soldiers had to stay and battle uh, instead of moving. Yeah. And I really didn't feel good about it. I mean, <laughs> it was like pathetic. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing I can do. The other guy, by the way, was gaining points by killing leaders. So I sent my armies without my leaders. So even if he wins, he won't take them. I mean, it was really strange. Oh, it uh, sounds like that's an Ippo move right there. Yeah. He gains points uh, by killing leaders. So I'm not going to make any leaders. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to have him there so he cannot move to go to other leaders and kill them and win the game since I'm second. Anyway, uh, with that move, I was supposed to win the game, but another guy uh, finally won the game because he had a different goal, like uh, occupying swamps or something like that. And he uh, he was not supposed to battles, but he won all battles and uh, win the game in the last in the last uh, round, yeah. which was a very nice thing because everybody was close. In the end, uh, there were like four different factions that could win the game in the last round. Sure. So I like. I like that very much. How long I is also, it? Five hours with the teach, right? Five, uh, five hours with the teach. Uh, five players. Uh, I also liked very much that they had standees for the leaders. So each uh, player had like three leaders. So you could see who's the leader of the opponent and check what he's doing because they're not like 100 leaders out there how does, how does combat work is it a luck based thing or is it more like Kemet where you play a card or so combat is like uh, Duna would say so you have like one uh, combat point per soldier that you're bringing to the battle plus your leader's attribute and uh, the opponent has the same but at the same time you have a will and uh, the will gives you three or four options that you can add strength or attack or defense. Attack or defense is just uh, changing the number of uh, uh, killed soldiers that the opponent will have in the end of the battle, not the the winning, not, they're not defining the, the winner 
Only strength defines the winner. So strength is only soldiers and the attribute of the leader plus the one card that you can play. That reminds me a lot of Dune, I guess. All right. Well, well thank you for describing generic the game. I appreciate that. It sounds <laughs> very exciting. I'm okay with uh, never trying that game. <laughs> I mean, you don't really, you don't find anything like... Uh, I mean, uh, you, you just described game. every game. <laughs> it, it, this is yeah. every Kickstarter game, right? Factions, right? Multiple ways to win, multiple abilities, uh, playing on a hex map. Combat is the number of things you have plus a leader ability. Like, I mean, I don't know. It just, I feel right. like I played okay. the game before and I've never played the game. So. You're right. So let me emphasize in the, in the one uh, uh, pro uh, one benefit, uh, one good thing about this game, which is the tech tree. It's not really a tech tree because, as I said before, it's the actions. You're just upgrading your actions. Mm. But this is the most important part of the game. Okay. This is where you decide how many moves we're going to do in the next round, okay. how many uh, how many buildings you're going to build, what are going to be your uh, resources, how many resources you're going to gain. Should you... Uh, go for recruitments or should you go for battles, more battles, less recruitment or more resources? So you need to balance this. Okay. Well, this is the best thing in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf in my life. Like I'm trying not to be so negative about everything. Like, you know, <laughs> I understand that people put their hearts and soul and hard work into a game. So I will say that, you know, if you like that kind of game, that sounds cool. And the idea of like a tech tree d developing, you know, your actions to be more efficient, whilst you can get that in multiple games, it, it's not super common in games like, you know, Kemet and, and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, so that's cool. I mean, you know, um, I, I would be down to try it. I, I, I'm not a bad person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say that this is an eight in uh, BGG. That means nothing to me, though. And and I gave it a six point eight. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. If if I you gave it a six point eight, I'd probably try it. Okay, all right. I'm down. When I come visit, which is probably never, um, we can we can. <laughs> <laughs> if if you come visit, this is probably gonna be in the uh, top one hundred list of the things we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well. A game we've been, we've played a couple times and I know that you love is John Company. So I got the second edition. The Kickstarter came a few months ago. And, you know, with you, first edition, I think we played the game a couple of times. Um, and I've now played the second edition also a couple of times. So, um, so I have a pretty decent idea of the game. As much as you can get an idea of John Company without, you know, the, the game is kind of an enigma wrapped within an enigma. Um so if you don't know about John Company, it's uh, it's about the East India, uh, British East India Company. Uh, so, you know, the military aspects from like Robert Clive to the adventuring aspects of trade, opening trade routes in various parts of India to the managing of the company back in London and having your uh, people take positions and shareholders within the company to retiring and getting lovely estates, which is the ultimate point of the game, which is to have lots of estates in your family and uh, the game itself it's very complicated i don't want to get into it too much but it's based around occupying positions within the company 
So everything from chairman down to writers in various departments. Um, you can also be a shareholder. So there is that element of the game. There's military positions you can have. So you can be a military leader in the various parts of India. So Madras, Bombay, so on. And uh, what you do in the game, basically based on whether you're a military or a president of a part of India, you uh, or or rather a president of operations that are occurring in a part of India. Um, you can launch trade ships and you can gamble. You can open routes up militarily, but you can gamble with the people of India resisting and rebelling against you. And uh, while all this is happening, there's sort of something naturally occurring in the game, which is India kind of occurs by itself. It's almost an AI system and it's amazing. And it's so cool that if you, even if you did nothing militarily within India, things would happen. The Mughal empire might expand to all of India or it might collapse in on itself. Um, it's got all these cool things happening internally that are based on a deck and a chart. So, which sounds fascinating, but it takes, um, it makes you know actual things happen in the game and that's always stuff i love where where you're within a world that has things occurring and you're pulling levers and strings within that world um for me theme is a 10 out of 10 like i i they've integrated the theme so well and i i adore the the easy like i listen to you know the empire podcast which has you know um, a couple of people that are experts on the topic. I listen to, I've, I've read multiple books on, you know, uh, the honorable company and all the, Oh my God. I, the idea of, you know, coming from a colonized country, the idea of a company colonizing a country, it's just so fascinating. And then even at the point where, you know, the Raj was about to be established at that point, right before that, you know, the British had an army of like a hundred thousand and, the, the company had 200,000 made up of, you know, um, mercenaries and, 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 and sepoys that they hired within India. So it's just a fascinating topic to me. Um, so 10 out of 10 on theme. Um, the game itself is awesome because you can have long... So, sorry. Yeah. Uh, now that you said 10 out of 10 uh, on the theme, yesterday I was trying to arrange uh, to set up a game next Tuesday of John Company. And uh, there was this guy, and he says, "Okay, what kind of game is this? Is it like uh, Kemet? Is it like?" I said, "It's basically <laughs> a negotiation game," and I start explaining the theme. And Did he fall every asleep? sentence I say, no, no, every sentence I say, the guy says, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, wow, wow!" And he was so in love. Okay, the guy was a historian. I approve of this person. I like him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Her. this guy is amazing. So yeah, so you know, um, as far as like the gameplay itself, it, it's a lot of fun because you know, it, it, it there is strategy, but it's a very reactionary game, you know. So for example, I managed to hold the chairman position for the entirety of the game, and what that meant was I was fully in control. Like I, I also managed to get a, a card which you can get from from the scoring phase, I, again, don't want to go into too much detail, but it let me basically get shareholders for cheap. And every turn I was getting shareholders. So I had majority control, which meant I was always going to put myself as chairman. And uh, I just had complete ownership of the company, but the company collapsed, <laughs> which meant of course. 
that I was the one that was most in debt. And I ended the game in the negative because I was in such a commanding position. And that's what I wanted to get to. It's, it's, it's amazing, but this is my main problem. I mentioned it last time. The designer has specifically addressed it. Um, but I got I to gotta reiterate it. The dice, the dice, the dice, the dice, the dice. You roll the dice after you set your resources, you've invested everything, you roll dice and you see what happens. And the designer has said, that's the nature of it. That's the nature of adventuring and, and so on is it's always a gamble. No matter how much you invest, there is always an opportunity for failure. And I respect it and I understand that it's a, a me problem <laughs> that I have to get over it would you feel better if it was not a dice and it was like a deck of cards yes because draw? because you're exactly because it's rng right you can you can determine what's coming and what's already spent but forgetting all that i spent i was i was the president of i think madras and uh basically and 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 i was the chairman i put so much money into making sure because i know how i roll dice into making sure we're, and I rolled six dice, needing a single <laughs> one or two, and I didn't get one. And and I understand everything that he said, but still the pain, I was ready to flip the table because it's because that expedition and the one right after where the guy actually rolled four dice and also failed, those two had so much invested in them that when they failed, the company didn't have the money to really survive after that. Um, and I, I raged about it. And then I finished and I was like, that was amazing. <laughs> so, because so in because the this moment, is supposed to happen, right? Exactly. So in the moment, it's infuriating. But if you take away like your desire to win above all else and just appreciate yeah. afterwards the story, it's such a good story. Um, oh. And I, I had a great time. And, um, but, but it wasn't the only reason it collapsed. Like the company was in a precarious position and the guy who had complete control of the military, Chang, I mentioned him before he wins everything. He had complete control of the military. He was like, I'm not going to win the game if the company succeeds. So he just decides to provoke India and basically set it on fire. So <laughs> he basically, <laughs> after conquering 90% of the map, basically, he goes and just pokes in different areas with armies not really strong enough to do enough, knowing wow. that he was about to cause a massive rebellion in India. And when that happened, the company failed because we didn't have the resources to, to, to survive that. And he won based on the failure. He knew he would have the most points because he had the most, I can't remember, military trophies or something. I can't remember. Um, but the point is... What an amazing was, story. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. He, it, it was an amazing... It was... I kept saying, it's as if Clive of India did what he did, destroyed the Mughal Empire, and then it was like, you know what? If you're not going to give me all the money from this, I'm just going to give all of India back <laughs> to the Indians. <laughs> and that's what happened because all he played the whole game was military. So he had no hope of the company did well and it was doing well. And then when we failed on those dice rolls, he saw that short window where the company was close to bankruptcy. 
And he decided this would be a great time for India to uprise against. And he did that. And it was such a good time. And I hated it so much. How much time was that? I think it was like four hours, three and a half, four hours. So it was a five-player game. Uh, But everyone learned the rules before they come. This group is very much a learn the rules before showing up kind of group. Um, But yeah, I, I rented. I said, this is the reason this game will never be in my top. I don't know what. And then as soon as like the fury went away, I was like, oh man, that was amazing. I can't wait to play again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never letting go of this game. So yeah, uh, I want you to know what, that what, I'm, I'm growing as a what person. What was the difference between <laughs> this edition and the first one? Uh, they've sort of integrated India in, onto the board, first of all. So it's a little clearer. The way the India cards work is way clearer because I remember when we played, I didn't know what was happening in India. I just I was like, whatever yeah. happens, happens. Um, you can clearly see it in this one. It's very clear. Um, and I, I don't super remember first edition, but uh, I think they've added this um, social society phase where other than scoring, so buying estates, another reason to retire is to get these society cards, which can give you... Um, various uh buffs or you can gain a spouse which um will give you an amazing buff but it'll close off a certain part of the game to you so it's this really cool balance wow nice yeah yeah it's it's very cool it's it's a masterpiece do of you design. still uh, roll it roll it die to retire yes you do and, and that's still there and that didn't bother For me, that me was, as much that was really yeah because i realized that you can position yourself to get the positions you want So sometimes you you want to die so you can score points, right? Yeah. And if you're, you you're not dying, you're retiring. You're retiring, yeah. <laughs> and if you want to and if you want to position if you position things well and time things well, you it's perfect because you retire and then you gain the positions you want to gain instead of the positions that you had the turn before. And so it's really a masterpiece. I I can't get over the dice. I know that it's part of the game and I I will I'll try to be better. <laughs> <laughs> not, um, not hate the part, but I had a great time. What an amazing! Even game. if I love the game, I think that you are right about the dice. I don't think, I think it is a problem. And he decided he he made the, I guess the, uh, in for, uh, I, 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 my English are not quite good for this. Uh, my English are not good. Dis- You've been talking for one hour perfectly, and now you're like, <laughs> my English are not good. What the Co- fuck? Because <laughs> uh, I'm trying to translate something in my mind from Greek to English and it doesn't work. Uh, so he made the conscious decision, that, that was the, the word I was trying to find, okay. to not to resolve this problem. I mean, the, the designer. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's so, more than not to resolve. I think it's intentional that you should exactly. always so, be able to fail. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, as gamers, you were entitled to say that no i would like to feel that at least i somehow uh, can affect the outcome of this you're right but at the same time if that didn't happen uh would i be talking about junk company today or another game that i played recently so you know it, it added an excitement to the game i'm not i'm not i'm allowed to say i don't like it you're right and i don't um but i understand its purpose in the game and um I and once I'm over the fury of failing, um, 
I, I think that was an amazing day. I had an amazing time. I think I think you put it very well before when you said that if you you really don't if you don't care enough about winning yeah. and you care more about the story, then yeah. you're okay. Our friend our friend playing at Alistair, he 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 hit it on the head. He said, "I see it almost like a role playing game." And I yeah, was like, oh. "Oh wow, yeah, that's, that's nice. Yeah, that, so. that's very nice." So on the, on the topic of Ipo not knowing how to translate a conscious decision, uh, <laughs> it's time for the Hippocratic Corner. Um, oh, thank you. But as for the review, to say that uh, what's up? You, you made very very uh, exciting. Uh, of playing John Company next week. Awesome, awesome. I can't wait to hear about it. Um, but as per our, our survey last, uh, I don't know when it was, a couple of years ago, um, the Zorba the Greek intro song for the Hippocratic Corner was was not very popular among listeners. So um, we've changed it to this much more appropriate tune. Ipo. Ipo. Hippocratic Corner. Welcome to the 34th again. What was the, the episode number? I, maybe, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. I don't think it's fascinating to the listeners. <laughs> yeah, nobody cares about this. <laughs> so what everybody cares, though, is the theme of this uh, Hippocratic Corner. And it's uh, a top five. We did this amazing change from the previous episodes where everybody was coming with uh, their top three. Wow. No, top threes, wow. top threes are not in fashion anymore. Wow. It's now top fives. So, so a la mode. The so more, involved. the merrier. <laughs> so daring. <laughs> Five is an amazing number. Uh, opposite to three, I guess. And now, for today's episode, we need to know your top five games to stand the test of time. So what are the criteria for this? Exactly. So as I was going to say that in every Hippocratic Corner, in every top three I came up with, the criteria are not like straightforward. <laughs> every, every time people come up with different criteria of what exactly this riddle of uh, Ipo means. <laughs> the one thing I did want to mention is you had one specific criteria, which is it has to be at least 10 years old. So the game has to be 2013 Correct. or older. Um, other than that, what were your criteria? So my idea was uh, that when we say that uh, they, they, they stood up the, the test of time, so let's say uh, the mechanism, did it, uh, is it still today a fresh one uh, that uh, more games are using, new games are using? Or do you want the, the exact uh, game that you're going to mention to be in fashion today, to be current, to be, uh, you know, to uh, when you sit on a table, say, okay, let's play this game. Mm. It's up to you, I guess. Um. So uh, my idea was, uh, let me first say that I have a honorary mention, of course. Of always. course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> out of the top five, which is uh, Concordia. It, it's a game uh, of uh, 2013 that we are playing almost every other uh, Tuesday here in Qatar. Yeah, this group uh, is, this is, our group here loves that game as well. It's, it's good. I, it's, I enjoyed it. Yeah. 
it looks like the best trade game in the trade in the Mediterranean theme game yeah. that you can play. It's very easy to teach, which is important. And the other thing that I feel was very, uh, not very, but it was uh, useful for me is that Lena made these inserts for the game yeah. fr from foam. And it's like, you can set up the game in, uh, I can set up the game in two minutes. Nice. Which really makes makes the difference. That's huge. That's uh, huge. Uh, and I realized that, uh, remember when you first made your uh, insert, I don't remember what game you made it for. You made uh, one insert like uh, 10 Zulkin. years ago. <laughs> no, I made, I made, I made Zulkin. I made um, Russian Railroads. I made, uh, I can't remember. I bought one. So now, yeah. now I realize how nice it is to have an insert in a game. 100%. And, and yesterday, Lena completed the insert for Sleeping Gods. Nice. So that was also nice. So I don't so, the, so your, is your criteria that it should be like Concordia? Is that the criteria? No, no. I was just saying that it could be Concordia could have been in the top six, in the top five, but it's not. Okay. Uh, for, but it, it could have been. But I feel that it's yes. So, so my my criteria. Have you given us your criteria yet, or is it just a game that you could imagine on the table today? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes, a game that still today. Yeah. Uh, if if it goes up, you're gonna say, okay, let's play it. Okay. I I was a bit more specific. Um, so I, I have five five things that I needed them to meet because I had a huge list. Wow. And I, okay. One is replayability, so it can't be sort of solvable. So you know how like a few acres of snow, people kind of like figured out a strategy that works. So it can't be something like that. It it, it doesn't. Also, it doesn't feel samey. So like through the ages, I adore that game, but it can feel samey because you're doing similar actions. You know, Russian railroads, we were always opening with the same stuff, which is get an engineer or get the ruble. You know, it, it started to feel samey. And a game that doesn't have a natural built ending like Sherlock Holmes or Consulting Detective or Tragedy Looper. Um, it has to be one, like you said, that can compete with modern games that doesn't show its age. Um, I like variety. So that the game feels so um, it's maybe a game that not every time you play, you use all the aspects of it. Factions help like Nirishima Hex, Tashkalar expansions, but I'm not a huge expansions guy. So I also want something that creates divergent narratives. So every time you play it based on maybe secret goals or objectives, you're going to automatically create a different story. You won't do the same thing. Um, it doesn't have to be thematic. It could be a, it could be a math, mathy game, but as long as it has like divergent strategies built in, that's interesting to me. And of course it has to be a good game. So even though Cosmic Encounter meets all the above criteria, eh, it's not going to count because it's trash. Um, and of course, oh, no. of course, no stupid answers like chess or bridge, which I'm sure he put on his list. <laughs> okay. What I, what I heard from you is like five different ways of describing replayability. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Or five different ways of describing games that stand the test of time. That might be. Okay. All right. So, so number five. So my number five is Twilight Struggle. Almost made my list. Almost. 2005. A game from 2005. Uh, so what is good on this game? This game was like number one in BTG like uh, some years ago. And still today, I think it's the theme. 
the Cold War is, uh, is so fascinating. Having a map of the whole world in front of you uh, and having these nice colors. So it's either blue or red. And uh, yeah. a very, it, it's a fast game and uh, it's a two-player game that I was playing with uh, Basel like uh, every week for uh, two months when you, uh, back in 2019. And we were really enjoying it and every game was different yeah. because it has some luck that is I believe is needed in two-player games because if you don't have the luck then go play chess which is the king <laughs> right the king of games I knew you played uh, chess into the... <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time I didn't okay uh, so that's the reason that I have uh, Twilight Struggles it, it uh, almost made my list the, the, the reason the reason it didn't is I felt it could be feel a bit samey so um, I was playing with Eugenio a lot um back to back to back games and whilst i had a great time learning the deck i feel like once you learn the deck it can start to feel a bit samey but i have no issue with that being on your list i think it's a great game and one thing i will point out is if you're like me um if you find yourself having similar taste to me which i'm sorry um <laughs> play that game with someone who's better than you because when i played that game with people who are at equal levels with me i had no interest in the game and I, I sold you my copy, right? Like, that's my copy that you bought. Yes. Um, but when I played with Eugenio, because he had played the game like 60 times or something, he was so much better. His understanding of the deck made me want to get that good. So I took the time to sort of learn my deck as I was playing and had a great time. So that's a great, that's a good pick. My number five is Terra Mystica, which came out in 2013. So right on the cusp. Um, what I enjoy about that game, the combination of races makes it unique every time. So even if you feel like you sort of get an idea, all right, I get workers, I get shovels, um, try playing the Darklings. They use priests to terraform, you know? If you get the expansion, it changes the map, gives you more races. And um, it, it's a really, really good game that I always kept coming back to. And, you know, if I'm being completely honest, if you want something that will stand the test of time, Gaia Project is the better pick because it has a variable map, right? But Gaia Project came out in the last 10 years, so I can't pick that. But I still prefer Terra Mystica to Gaia Project. It's just more charming. And it was the first heavy Euro, I'm putting that in quotations, that really like got its claws into me. And I have a, I know it's a bit of a biased pick, and I tried very hard to get it on the list. And I think I knocked off a couple options that were better options. But I do think Terra Mystica, till today, if someone says you want to play Terra Mystica, I'm in. I'm always in for Terra Mystica. Um, so it's a great game. And the factions are really what makes it variable. And the combination, the way factions play with each other. So like playing against dwarves, for example, they can tunnel out. So it doesn't matter so much if you try to close them um, in terms of area control or if you're playing with fakirs because they have flying carpet. But if you're playing with someone who really needs the land around them, shutting them down is a valuable So it's, it's just got so much to it. And depending on the player count, it, it changes a lot because of that, the way the map sort of contracts with more players. And uh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. So Terra Mystica is my number five. I agree, and uh, I want to add that... Uh the uh, Terra Mystica changed the game design. Uh, 
other games came like that and trying to copy it and uh, the mechanisms and you know the buildings coming from your board on the map and unlocking yeah. new actions yeah that was uh, ingenious it was and it was. And then it, uh, I guess it came uh, again with Scythe and so many other games uh, later. Sure. Sure. So yes, very good pick. Thank you. So now, now in, with my number four, I think I'm going to surprise you. I was thinking a lot about this game for the last month, and maybe that's the reason that it's here in number four. And that game is Catan. Oh my God! <laughs> Settlers <laughs> of Catan is. I learned the game back in my days. <laughs> <laughs> so this game is from 2001. And I was thinking, you know something, when, when we have uh, new players joining us in the Tuesday night group, I want a game where there is interaction. And this is the best game where you can trade with other players. I disagree. I was thinking, okay, okay what are other games? I, I was thinking the only game that... I love the trading phase is the civilization from the the original one from Francis Tresum. Yeah, I was gonna say civilization. Um, uh, but this is a twelve hours game. Yeah, but you, know, uh, you could play you could play um, Asante. Uh, that has a good trading system in it. Um, uh, nothing coming not off the top of, of my head right now. But uh, so I was thinking trade on the Tigris. It's a game. That. I haven't played that. Yeah, uh, either. But it's a, I know that it's a game from uh, Jeff Engelstein, the guy from the uh, the podcast, uh, Ludi, uh, Ludi Ludology. What? Ludology, thank you. And uh, he he said that he uh, the game is based on the trading mechanisms of Francis Tresham's civilization. Nice. So I was thinking this is the game for me, but. Uh, it's a game from 2018. Anyway, I have not played that game. So, Catan is the game that for new players, they will make the jump from Monopoly and Scramble to uh, hobby games, to Euro games, and they will have fun and they want to play again and again. And it's, uh, it's replayability in my group uh, is proven. We, we were playing this game for years without having, uh, of course, at, the, at that time, we didn't have anything else to play. But that's irrelevant, I guess. <laughs> I, I thought I thought about it because, like, my sister doesn't love board games, but she loves Catan. You know, um, I guess it just it didn't meet one criteria, which is that it has to be a good game. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, completely, no you know, yeah. not this objective. Is, this is not Sub the top five. This is our top five. And this is your top five. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And Catan just wouldn't make it. Maybe if we were looking objectively at it, it might make it. You're, but I, I definitely am right, not yeah. being objective. So yeah. that's a good argument. Yeah. And so what's that, your number four? My number four is one game that you you don't like. So it's perfect. It's A Study oh. in Emerald, but specifically the first edition, which came out also in 2013. So also barely made the cutoff. It's um, not the game. It's not the game I don't like. I, I like thought you game. didn't. I don't, I don't remember, you know. Anyway, the reason I, I think it works so well, I played it again recently. We had a cabin trip where we just played board games for two straight days. It was amazing. Um, but um, every game of that game is unique. Like, it can be as serious or as silly as you want it to be. There are 
there are items in that game, like physical items that I've never seen in the game. Zombies, vampires, like they're so conditional depending on what you choose to do or what comes up. It has so much replayability. And the hidden role alliance system makes it engaging but light at the same time because it feels like Avalon or it feels like, you know, but you're doing like meaty big decisions and the actions you choose and the decks that you choose. And the fact that you're playing this whole game without like trying to take it seriously but have no idea who your partners are is amazing. It's just an that, automatic yeah, agent of chaos, you know? And um, the last time we played it during this cabin trip, it was so great because one guy basically assassinated his partner. <laughs> so it can happen. Yeah. It had happened before it happened. in a cabin. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but no, it, I really like it. I think I hear the second edition took away a lot of that chaos and and, and um, variability, which would make the second edition not eligible for this. But it's a game that every time I bring it out, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I really don't. And that natural narrative and fun and variability and chaos and the amount of different things you can get it makes it on my top 10 list of games that uh, stand the test of time. Top five. Nice. Uh, I would say not only it's a good game, I was trying to get one in the latest uh, Greek math trade. Oh, nice. I, I thought you didn't yeah. like it for some reason. Uh, I remember when we played it, I think most of the people didn't like it. Yeah. Am I right? Maybe. I mean, Dima didn't like it the first time, but when we played it at this cabin, she said she had a great time. So I think she didn't really get it the first couple of times. You, it looks like a serious game, but it isn't. <laughs> and that, that, I think, is the, the trick there. So. And it's a Martin Wallace game. How can I not like it? True, true. Moving on to number uh, three. Okay, so my number three, uh, I'm going to go fast with this because it's Terra Mystica. Oh, nice. nice pick. That's a good <laughs> <Which> pick. Is, <laughs> uh, two, it's 2012. Uh, I I just want to add uh, uh, some trivia that uh, this game uh, publisher is Feuerland Spiele, the German company that it translates to Land of Fire, nice. and it was founded by Uwe Rosenberg. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, I didn't know that either. I mean, I just uh, I was searching about it, and it's it's a Uwe Rosenberg uh, company. So the right. guy and and they were saying that. The most uh, uh, sales from the company are from Terra Mystica and uh, Agricola, that makes which sense. makes sense. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's. I mean, obviously, I, I had 2013, but I guess that was the English version. So great, I, I wasn't on the cusp. Um, yeah, I, I can't argue. So let's let's time to get serious. Okay, my number okay. three is Pax Renaissance, which came out oh in 2012. God. Hey folks, it's Elias chiming in while editing. Pax Renaissance came out in 2016. This pick is ineligible, but that's not going to stop me from rambling about it for a couple of minutes. So let's get on with it. If you want to, you can slot in Pax Porphyriana or Pamir here, but I think Renaissance is the best example of this. It comes with a huge deck of cards, and you use so few cards from that deck. So the possibilities of randomness in that game, of what could happen means it's a divergent narrative every time. Um, so that means um, certain aspects like religion can play a huge role 
or not even be part of the game when you play the game. And it's a good story if you find history interesting, right? So if you find if you if you like, you know, uh, the history of, you know, the great game Pax Premier would be worth to go. But if you find, you know, the Italian banking era interesting at all, Pax Renaissance is, is fascinating to me. So I like the story that it tells because the emphasis on art versus religion versus rulers versus uh, coups, it's different depending on the deck of cards you come out. Plus, it feels very different at two players, at three players, and at four players. So at two players, it feels like a chess game. At three players, it feels like you're looking for the right moment to opportunistically change something. And because the deck changes so drastically, it's a very different game. And um, yeah, that's why it's my number three. I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think I could play that game for the next 20 years and have a different You really shocked me. Really? really shocked me with this with this pick, and the reason is not that it's not a good game. I mean, I love that game; it's a ingenious design. Uh, I just realized that I have one more criterion, I guess, when I when I was picking this top five, and this is that in order to stand the test of time, it should have been a popular game. <laughs> so it was never a popular game to stand any test the test of time then it was always not, in the outskirts like, of the hobby you're not gonna like my next two picks either <laughs> <laughs> so it never occurred to me that it could could go to my top five because I, I, do you get what I'm trying to say because totally I'm get not it. sure I'm making you, you, I'm making uh, I feel sense. like you're, you're trying to make the top five games to stand the test of time I'm making my top five games. I'm not trying to pick games that other people might like. I'm trying to say, okay. of the games I've played, which ones do I think could stand the test of time to play again in 20 years? Okay. When, yeah, when my top five is more like the games that I really uh, admire, yeah. that they, they stood the test of time. And so congratulations, listeners. If, if, you, you get two separate lists. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Having number said two. that, let's go to number two. And my number two is Brass Lancashire. Is it Lancashire? Lancashire? Lancashire. Idea. Yeah, you nailed it. Which is 2007 Marty Wallace uh, economic game about the uh, industry, uh, the industrial world in 19th century England. And for the people that they don't know uh, this trivia, uh, his sister, Brass, uh, Brass Birmingham, is now number one in uh, Board Game Geek. Who doesn't know that? There have been uh, like <laughs> feuds happening. People like downvoting it, people downvoting Gloomhaven. And I just keep thinking, where do these people find all this time? <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to guess they are students. Uh, so <laughs> between their math class and uh, their gym, they're gonna go to the their mobile phone and just uh, downvote uh, Brass uh, Lancashire. I was I was uh, too busy I was too busy as a student, uh, lying to myself that if I tried hard enough I could be cool. So I. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Brass. I guess it's a it's a really fantastic economic game. Uh, they they have the, this amazing market where. Uh, you can manipulate uh, the cost and this brilliant, brilliant idea that 
you can buy the resources that the other people are producing. Mm. So I guess this is the base of this uh, uh, design. And this is what made it really popular. And till today, I have people saying, okay, maybe next week, let's play brass. So, you know, my, my group here loves brass. It's like in the top three, but I have a confession to make. I own this game, but I've never played it. So, you're the first edition, right? Yeah, I do. But my group has the new Lancashire and Birmingham. But I mean, I I want to so badly. I just, it's just never, whenever do they want to play it. Um, no. <laughs> Oh, yeah! Oh it, it's a huge blind spot for me. Yeah, and you—you um, you call yourself a podcaster? <laughs> <laughs> this you're is right. Number one. I'm ashamed. <laughs> I'm gonna—I'm gonna learn it today. I'm canceling all my meetings for the day. <laughs> uh, oh. I, okay. I mean, yeah, you need to play one of those. I mean, either the like. No, I will. I will. It's, it's going to happen very soon. I just, yeah. But even if you don't, I mean, it's not the end of time. As you I, said, I this is a game that stood the test of time, so I guess it will be out there for the next 10 years. Ah, so it's not a rush. That's, that's <laughs> some advanced dad joking. <laughs> All right, my number two, I don't think you've played. It's a game that was not available in English for ages. Uh, it's called uh, Inkopolis, and um, it came out in 2012. Um, Inkopolis is a game about you're all building a city at the same time. But, you know, there's an element of control and an element of scoring. So it's a very reactionary game. It's, a, it's based on a drafting of cards, which you're passing around. And it's um, deceptively heavy. Like, it's one of those games that the rules are like four pages, but it'll break your head when you're trying to play the game. And it has that classic game thing of like go and chess of reaction. So you can have a strategy, but the minute someone else does something, that strategy is changing. Um, but unlike Go and Chess, it feels current, right? Um, you cannot play the same game twice. Every time you play the game, depending on the cards that people or the choices people make, it will be very different. Um, and it's a mean game, but that you can also be mean right back very quickly. So you don't feel like victimized in the game and you're always feel like you're in contention. <laughs> The reason I think it was stand the test of time is the simplicity versus depth ratio. This has one of the highest simplicity to depth ratio. So you can learn, you know, that old learn the game in minutes, master it in yeah. years or whatever. Yeah, it's that, right? But you'll never master it. <laughs> Because so it's like every it's, Dutch game. What was the, the Zimbabwe and uh, the Great Zimbabwe and things maybe, like. but but there are there are some strategies in that game you can use, right? So if you go into Vuchain Magnet and say I'm just going to react, you're not going to do well. Like you have to have a plan, you have to work. If you're playing the Great Zimbabwe, you have to have an idea of which um, uh, leaders, which which uh, sorry specialists and which gods you want to go for, and sort of reacting to what other people pick but when i mean reactionary i mean every turn is reactionary i don't mean your strategy is reactionary i mean oh. you can think i want to do this this turn but you're not going to do <laughs> because so by it's the time more the of other tactic, tactical game yeah tactical is a great description of it um it's a really good game it feels very tactical but 
it's it's agonizing. You're like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do But, you know, it's it's so good. I really like the game. And I just feel like because of that rule set versus how much agonizing, interesting decisions there are versus how much, um, how much you have to put your brain into it and it hurts your brain with such a simple rule set. I think that's a great recipe for standing the test of time. And there are other games that fall into this category, but Ginkopolis is my pick to represent that. I'm very happy you brought a game that I have not uh, played. Uh, I'm looking at some pictures right now. And it, uh, is there a new edition? Because this really yeah. looks yeah, the, not the new... nice. What? You don't like the pink <laughs> cylinders? No, great. pink and gray cylinders over yellow Tiles? Yeah, they still have that. That that didn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> I think it anyway, looks but, great. I, I, but I, I want to play it now. Now that you talked about it, I want to play it. Yeah, it's excellent. Because and another thing about it, the complexity I didn't mention, is you know, it's just tiles next to each other, but the tiles also go upwards in terms of stories, and that increases the strategy and complexity tenfold. Like the fact that there's a third dimension to it, you know? Um, wow. It, it makes my brain hurt and it's four pages of rules or something. So- Do you remember the, the designer? Uh, Javier George, is that correct? I don't know. I mean, uh, I was thinking, is it from a famous designer or he just did Ginkopolis and uh, fade away? It, it is Javier George and no, he, he, did, he, he did Trois, he did, Black Angel, he did. Oh, that uh, guy. Carson City. I don't City. like Troy. I don't like Troy at all. Like, I I haven't I played Troy, but I really enjoyed Black Angel. So. And I didn't like Black Angel too much. All right, so maybe you won't enjoy this one. <laughs> but but I liked Carnegie. Uh, I haven't played that, so. Yeah. I have played it only in Board Game Arena. Yeah. Right. Okay, yep. so my number, number one. one. Yeah. My number one is uh, for sure it's not a game that you have in your top five because you specifically excluded it from your criteria in the beginning. Any idea? Through the ages. It's Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. No, Ifo, you can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't play that game for long. Okay. All right. Okay. What? But what? What it means when we say uh, it? Uh, to the test of time. So it's a game from 1982. Yes. And still today is selling copies. And yes. if somebody comes and asks me, okay, I want to, to take a, you know, a puzzle storytelling game. This is the best. I this agree. This is the best. I agree. It brought to the table the narration. It brought the book that we were talking about before in Sleeping Gods. Actually, it's Sleeping Gods, if you think about it, what is it? Is it? It's Sherlock Holmes with a, a map that is now a book and not just a map <laughs> and with a book of stories. So it's Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. Uh, you read the passage in the book and you're trying to, uh, to find out what's going on and then you can move different locations. So this is the basis for not only for Sleeping Gods, for uh, uh, the game de uh, Detective from Ignacy Trevicek, I, I would argue, and also City of Angels and all this genre. No, I, I agree. Right? And, and it's an amazing game. And, you know, but, but the reason I can't be on there is I own the game 
we played it 10 times. I had to get rid of it because there was no more value to it. Um, so I sold it and then I bought the second one. I played through all of that one and now I bought the third <laughs> one. So the, 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 and there's four of them, I think. So the point, the point is you, I don't know. By that rationale, the like game, I, would, I, would, I would pick 18xx <laughs> at the top of my list because if you just got if you can buy a whole genre of games, 18xx is the most replayable game there is. So I, I. But again, it's not about replayability. It's the game stood the test of time. Not not for you. Yeah, but based on your the, your for category. the people. <laughs> Look, it's an amazing game, but because it's finite, I couldn't put it in my list. But I I respect it and I adore it and I wholeheartedly recommend it. I don't believe you've okay. played my number one either. It's from 2007. Oh. Container. Oh. So Container is a very simple game. Um, you have ships. Uh, you have a board where you can produce goods. Um, those goods can get purchased by other people and then placed in their warehouses. And then ships can dock into those warehouses and they can buy those goods. And then when they get to the central island that you're all from, um, people bid on it, on whatever whatever uh, containers are on that ship. So people just bid on that. And the one with the highest bidder, it goes to them. Or you can match that bid, give them the money, and take it for yourself. That's I, I just explained to you 90% of the rules of <laughs> the game. Like You're almost how, ready to play. How do, you, how do you make points? I mean, is, is it set selection? It's money. It's money. Whoever makes the most money. Oh. So the reason it's the number one is the game completely gets out of the way. Like the game, so 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 the game is so simplistic rules-wise that you're not thinking about rules or the game. All you think about are player decisions. Because the market of money is a closed market, unless people make certain decisions to bring in more money. Um, it's uh, the saturation of certain goods depends exclusively on how many people choose to produce it. Who are you undercutting price-wise? When you undercut them, are they going to undercut you or are they going to diverge? Um, the game itself doesn't do any of this. It's just a couple decisions. You get two actions a turn. Um, so what you're playing with is the other people. And so every group that I play it with it's a unique game. It's a whole different experience. The main components and game factors are the other players in the group, which is awesome. The game itself is a construct for you to play a game of all of you guys going up against each other in this closed financial system. And it's phenomenal. It's so good. I love this game and I want to copy so bad. But then Dima goes, oh, Alistair has the game. Oh, you don't need to pay hundreds of dollars for it. <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> it's just why so is hard. this game hundreds of dollars? It's hard to get. It's impossible to get. It's super hard to get. Um, but it's it's for me, it's incredibly replayable because let me tell you, you could play a five player game in a couple hours, or it could take a little longer depending on the strategies you use. But you could easily play a five player game within two hours, um, and that includes the teach because the teach is five minutes. But there's just you know your decisions are producing things or purchasing things, putting them up for sale, or it's or, or going to the island, and then your auction. I mean, it's so simplistic that the island board is just the board, a board with, this, with an island, which is kind of like a scoreboard. 
And then the ocean is just the table. <laughs> so, so when you're in the ocean, your ship is just sitting on the table, you know, and, and the game, it gets out of your way and lets you play with the other people, which is not just my favorite kind of replayable game. It's what this podcast is all about, Hippocrates. Oh. <laughs> okay, I have to say, I want to play this game for so long. Yeah. And it's also a beautiful game. I'm not sure if I am looking at the new edition. The new edition of the big ships. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. 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 And uh, as you say, it's uh, so simplistic. At the same time, they say it's a heavy game. And uh, interaction, it's uh, in in its finest, top notch. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to play, and uh, I thought that there would be a new, uh, a bunch of uh, games, so we won't have to pay hundreds of dollars on uh, a game like that. I, I was thinking maybe a Kickstarter will come, but you're saying the last, the not... last edition was a Kickstarter, so. In 2018, that one, right? Yeah, the jumbo edition. Yeah, I wanted to back it by the time I was in Qatar, and shipping that on Shop and Ship would have cost me like hundreds of dollars. So I did it. And uh, now we have Dima. Now I have Dima. <laughs> but the arguments might be false because the guy who owns it might be leaving Toronto, and if he does, there will be oh a my huge God. container shipped hole in my life that I'll need to fill. <laughs> Anyway, that so, brings us to the end of this tabletop session. Ipod, is there anything you wanted to add there? Uh, no, I think that uh, I really enjoyed your top five. I really enjoyed yours, even though I think fundamentally we came from different perspectives, but that's what's cool about your top fives. They make no sense. Thank you all exactly. for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Tabletop Sessions. Join the conversation and let us know what your top five was this month over at our Board Game Geek Guild. You can find the link to both of these in the episode description. We'll be back in a month. And until then, to quote one of my favorite writers, oh yes, it's still here. God damn it, you've got to be kind. Say bye, you Bye, guys. God damn it, you've got to keep playing. Tabletop, 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 Table, table, top. Table, table, top. Session. Oh my god. Oh, it's one forty three. What the fuck?